At Push My Buttons Podcast, you can get all the gaming news, as well as information on latest releases and game reviews. You can also watch us play some of your favorite games, everything from Sonic the Hedgehog to God of War, on YouTube and Twitch. Follow us on all the social media and listen on all of your favorite apps. Just search for Push My Buttons Podcast. Think of the children! You must walk feminine, talk feminine, smile and beguile feminine, utilize your femininity. That's what every girl should know, if she wants to catch a bow. Oh, won't somebody please think of the children? Okay, first, I'm not a princess. I'm the daughter of the chief. Same difference. No. If you wear a dress and you have an animal sidekick, you're a princess. I think you can kiss your trade franchise goodbye. And now we dance. <laughs> dance, magic, dance, magic, dance, dance. Put on your tight pants and dance to the blues. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to a very special David Bowie-ified episode of Kiss Your Franchise Goodbye, the movie podcast where we talk about movie franchises. And, and now we dance. And now we dance. Brought to you um, by Mucinex, if you'll call us back. Please, Mucinex, we are still open for sponsorship <laughs> as we would, I would very much like to uh, talk about your great product and how it gets rid of uh, all of the, all the mucus rockets. in my sinuses. For uh, when you get the mucus in the eye and the pica. <laughs> Dido Mucdorf. Ugh. So... Uh, this week, though, uh, we're not a part of any franchise. We are taking a tiny break to celebrate, as we are wont to do, uh, the birthdays of our podcast contributors. So, uh, happy birthday to my sibling, Kit. Happy birthday. Yeah. Happy birthday, Kit. (coughs) A, A spry 27, as I understand, correct? Um, no, I am 42 and I know where my towel is. Oh. Yay! <laughs> hey, that's true. This is the, the, this was a fun birthday, right? Yeah. Yeah. This is like the best birthday age to be since like your twenties. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Yep. So, uh, well, happy birthday. We are celebrating a, um, a Wilson family classic, uh, picked out of our VHS library. Um, you mentioned this on the last podcast, the first VHS you ever bought with your own money. Yep. Labyrinth. Why, what, why was this the first thing that you wanted to buy with your own money? What is it about Labyrinth that like anchors this for you? I think that that whole, like, you can't judge a book by its cover thing was really drilled into us, but cover art for labyrinth is stunning and was in the 80s and continues to be where it has the castle and sarah in her big silvery white dress and bowie looking fly and muppets and it's just sexy as hell um and somehow that spoke to my seven or eight year old soul who had like ten dollars burning in their pocket and uh I had to have it. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that is an amazing, amazing uh, poster. I was trying to look up to see if that was a Drew Struzan, who is a, um, a, a famous poster artist responsible for, um, you know, Raiders of the Lost Ark and uh, a bunch of other... Um, no, it looks like it was not Drew Struzan. Oh, that's right, because he did all. He did Big Trouble in Little China. That's he did. Yep. I remember him. Okay. Yeah, yeah. A uh, very, very famous artist. But yeah, that's a that's quite an image. Um, and yeah, that goes quite a long way. Um, I mean, I I think this is you know this is a, a Jim Henson movie. Um directed by Henson, uh, produced by George Lucas. And I think you see a lot of their fingerprints all over this collaboration um, in terms of what what this really is. This sort of, uh, uh, this, this comes after um, Henson's attempt to try to make sort of like high fantasy with the Dark Crystal and uh you know that that is what it is this was uh an attempt to be a little more a little more grounded kind of make a fairy tale and i i think what what works so well about this and why i'm glad we are talking about it is i think that labyrinth really interrogates a lot of the same questions that that we are trying to do in this season of the podcast, basically about like, what is media like trying to say to young women about what it means to be a young woman? And um, boy golly, does this movie have a lot to say about, um, uh, about all of that. And I think this is an interesting conversation about to be had about you know is is this movie feminist i don't know i'm i'm interested in hearing what what y'all think but okay but kit did we did we see this in a theater or did we only start seeing this because of home video i I don't remember i want to say that this was a home video because i don't recall having any prior knowledge or knowing what I was buying, um, and but it oh, was PG. really, yeah, it was PG. Wow. It had Jim Henson's name on it, which I knew from Fraggle Rock, and so I figured I wouldn't get in too much trouble for a PG movie. And uh, what was a but yeah, I don't. We didn't really go to a lot of movies when we were kids. I remember being terrified at Ghostbusters, and I think that kind of like ruined it for a while. I remember that. Although to be fair, um, when you got terrified at Ghostbusters, we or specific specifically Ghostbusters two, we went out of the theater and went next door to go see Dead Poet Society, which because it was not, like the buzzing of flies to you. It's <laughs> not you know I I remember being very angry about that in retrospect. 
about uh, that Ghostbusters was two or going to Dead Poet Society about going to Dead Poet Society because okay. I wanted to <laughs> I wanted to see the Ghostbusters. Damn it, that was my yeah, that was I my mean. jam, and uh, <laughs> uh, mad at my little mad at my little sister. We have to go see this movie about. Oh wait, this is delightful. This is wonderful. <laughs> I learned something about the human spirit. I mean, so. no Ghostbusters two, but in a pinch, <coughs> a decent substitute. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, if Dead Poet Society had had Vigo the Carpathian, probably a hundred on medical. Oh, command me, Lord! <laughs> <coughs> yeah. Speaking of what we were talking about before we jumped on. <laughs> yep. 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 If this well, manages to be the weirdest podcast we've ever recorded, I think it'll be quite fitting. But now it does. Yeah. yeah. And now it does. So, Brooke, JB, what about you? When did you first encounter Labyrinth? I watched it... Well, hell, what year did it come out? 86. 86. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. I was saying, I watched it for the first time at home when we lived in our Millville, Utah house before moving to South Carolina. So that would have been in, like, 88 or 89. And... I mean... I liked horror movies and this movie creeped me the fuck out and I stopped watching it and went upstairs. Like I did was too much for me. And I think I've sort of kept that feeling with me my whole life. Like I don't quite understand it. I, I always seem to fall apart, like fall asleep in really weird moments. And then he comes back and there's bubbles and gross things. And I just, I, that's been my experience with this movie. I feel like there's one of those movies for our childhood in general, right, Brooke? Like, Dark Crystal was that for me. Well, see, like, and I, I love Dark Crystal. I... Yeah, and that was yeah. my, like, I'm just not going to watch this because it's not, it's not any fun for me. Uh, yeah, so that was, yeah, I, it, yeah. so I totally understand where you're coming from. I don't think I watched this. On, I mean, I may have seen it, but I don't remember. I think, Kit, we watched this in the, in the house. Yeah, I think there was a lot of mockery and and joking. And I I think this Sir Epididymus actually was something that we, you said. <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember we, we enjoyed it, but it was potentially one of our other roommates who might have uh, <laughs> found the movie. But he also liked Muppets a lot, so I think it was all in good fun. Oh, I think it was definitely in good yeah. fun. So I I, yeah, so I, I remember watching it at least once, if not twice, in the in California. But, you know, I I, I kept thinking it, it sort of reminded me of Dark Crystal, but I liked all of the characters. Um, uh. Yeah, because even Bowie I don't dislike in this. He's just, it's Bowie, right? I You're think like, it was hey. Bowie that was just too much for me. Well, I, I, can, I can little, see that yeah. in the 80s especially, and now... With all of these like Joker characters and he's outlandish, you watch it now, and I go, he's just trying to get a soundtrack. Like, leave him alone. He wants the child <laughs> to sing with him, you know. Like the kids even happy. He's like, I got David Bowie singing me songs all day. No, I don't want to go home to the the stepmother or whoever that lady was. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, in '86, this is way intense, right? Um, I revisited it last year for some unknown reason. Like, I can't figure it out. I watched it last year. Andy, I know it was for something or I wouldn't have re watched it again. 
I, but I watched it with Prudence, and she's like, oh, yeah, I've seen this with my dad. It's no big deal. She's like, la, 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 la. I was like, whatever, kid. And I was still creeped out by it again, going back to really? it. Really? Yeah. Okay, wait. Is it, so it's it's Bowie that's out. creepy, or what are the... Is it just know. the Muppets, or... The whole thing. Yeah. The fire guys are... You know what I think I'm it older, is? older, the fire guys are way creepier. I'm like, oh. I remember like short... Like, sometime around the same time that I watched this, we also tried to watch... Um, uh, Freddy Krueger, Nightmare on 13th. Is that oh, is Freddy Krueger? Not, yeah, Freddy is Nightmare on Elm Street. On Elm yeah. Street, right. So, and I think the thing that really freaks me out is I've always been a kid who has suffered with nightmares. And so movies that kind of go into this weird dream space where you can't control anything and your whole fate in life is at the hands of these creepy men, like it's I don't like it. Yeah. I mean, and I know that's not exactly the the premise for this movie, but there was something about like her going into this space and then back to her room and out of her room and and like uh, it was, I, <sighs> no, I'm I'm with you, Brooke. I actually, I mean, m my personal take on this um, is that like the the subtext about gaslighting and manipulation is so baked into this that like unless you take it at a very very surface level like surface level kind of charming you start digging below that and it gets creepier and creepier and creepier and creepier mm -hmm. and it's like to the point where it's like whoa this is terrible this is this is absolutely atrocious. Yeah. So, and I and I, I think because I, I oh sorry go ahead Kit. I was gonna say I, like I think that's the difference between like watching it as a kid in the eighties where, like you know that gaslighting is something that I think we were just more used to seeing <laughs> in people's relationships. Right. Right. Yeah. And like now people are talking about it and saying you know this is bad. And it's like yeah. re-watching it this week when I haven't watched it in years, it was like, you know what? I always saw Jareth as this like kind of charming villain who, you know, just wants to grow his goblin army by taking babies, you know, and, and <laughs> that's all. Uh, you know, I was like, but it's like, you know what? He's sexy. I can get behind it. Whereas I was watching it and I'm like, as a girl who is basically going through this paradigm shift of turning into a young woman, and I'm just going to say with the yoga pants, exploring her sexuality and like, what does it for her? And I, I was like, you know, it makes me so angry that like he's he's a really bad guy because he does all the things that hot guys do to undermine young women or women yeah. or yeah. their you know other partners so the um, whole and it's ending, not just hot guys hot people yeah, that whole <laughs> ending is such i didn't even think about that because I, I you're totally right i watched it and then at the end there's that part where he's like just love me and I'll bow to you. And you're like, oh, that's so gross now. Yeah. yeah. But you, you don't. It's really subtle, I think, off and on until that ending. And then you you kind of rewind it, which you can do on a VHS, and, and watch through, <laughs> you know, everything again. And you're like, holy crap, this whole thing is that 
that half martyr victim gaslighting thing right yeah. and it's gross and you're it like you're so handsome and you you crotch thrust in these yoga pants and <laughs> like well, and Muppets sing to you but yeah it's the whole premise it's really that's a great pickup that I didn't notice until and this time everything that you said Kit was it's really reflective of what I was going to say in that yeah. I think yeah. because I don't have nostalgia associated with the movie but instead the opposite hmm. I just have a different experience watching it I don't have anything that makes me want to like him or want to accept the premise or want to like get into it in any way right. Like, mm-hmm. besides the fact that he's sexy, I mean, that just, <laughs> doesn't Wait, freaking cool. we all agree it with that. It just doesn't fucking change. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Even like eight year old Brooke was like, yeah, but you know, <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't have any nostalgia with it. So I, I never watched it again. I never finished the movie. And so when I watched it again last year, I was like, what the fuck am I actually watching here? what this is just creepier than i even realized it was like for different reasons maybe Mm -hmm. i don't know but i just didn't have the nostalgia and so i don't i just don't experience it the same way i don't know so i'm here to listen yeah Yeah. i'm i think that's fair because like until you mentioned it i'm like i never saw this as a horror movie until you mentioned it and i was like yeah it's like Coraline, where neil gaiman talks about how kids aren't scared of Coraline, but parents reading Coraline are fucking terrified exactly yep yep interesting um so there is some interesting backstory here um because of course you know i i will bring this the the production of this film um so the the first draft of the script was written by terry jones of monty python so yay oh and he is the sole credited writer of this film, uh, although he says, uh, and he has said many times, th- this is really not at all what he turned in in his uh, in his first draft. He still he still likes it. He thinks it's great. There's a lot of um, what he started with there, but this went through a bunch of rewrites um the most notable of which came from uh one of uh the writers of fraggle rock lauren phillips um and uh george lucas took a pass at it (laughs) but perhaps the most important uncredited rewrite on this movie uh was by elaine may um, of the uh, famous uh, comedy duo Nichols and May, uh, and also a um, a famous writer director uh, on of her own right, um, she uh, wrote directed films like New Leaf, The Heartbreak Kid. Uh, at the time, was one of only three female members of the Directors Guild of America um, pioneer of you know women making film uh, and just a really really fascinating career um, where basically at every single turn in her career um, 
it's one of these classic stories where uh, she gets labeled as being difficult or hard to work with or whatever for doing a lot of the same things that her peers, um, you know, people like Kubrick or Hitchcock, etc., would do and get praised. Right. Like, oh, they're so artistic and they're so they're they they're so demanding. They're so they stick to their vision. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Damn her vagina. But yeah, but Elaine May gets this like, oh well, she's she's so hard to work with. Um, and I can't remember which of her movies this this was, and I I should look this up. Um, but she she steals the print, the rough print and the negatives and takes them home with her and hides them in her apartment so that they can't change her movie. That's and the, wasn't that that weird Mickey and Nikki or whatever? Yes. Mickey was? and Nikki. Yes. Or Mikey yes. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I yeah. Remember I that think that's in film class. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but she, you know, she fought for her films and studios were always trying to take stuff away from her and whatever. So, um, she is now in this, um, little boomlet where she's working behind the scenes doing a lot of rewrites of scripts. She had just rewritten Tootsie and, you know, probably one of the main reasons why Tootsie works um, because of Elaine May. Um, But when you look at Labyrinth as a sort of an Elaine May middle finger to the Hollywood establishment and uh, Jareth as, you know, the, you know, Hollywood producers and, and so on who keep telling her just conform, just be this way. And I will give you everything that you want. All of the, all of the gaslighting, all of the, um, yeah, uh, it, that makes the ending make a lot more sense, doesn't it? Yeah, like and 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 even though no one has said like, yes, this is one hundred percent. This is what Elaine May did. This is what George Lucas did. This is what Lauren Phillips did. It's hard not to read that into this, and um, and and so I I think it's like fascinating that. Um, you know, again, surface level, it's a movie very charming. You can really enjoy it, but you dig down to the surface, and I think there's a lot more going on that's about, um, you know, fucking with the patriarchy. Yeah, that's really interesting. I know so, what George Lucas's part was. You notice how the bad guy <laughs> can never hit anything they aim at? That was really <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I think it's fair if we can read into his crotch thrust that we can read into that subplot. <laughs> I, I, I don't think that's a stretch. I blame the costume designer on that, right, Kit? Yeah. <laughs> We're going to revolutionize her in yoga pants and boots, y'all. 
please bring that back to Utah. We would love it. <laughs> and we, I mean, we should absolutely give credit where credit is due. This movie would not exist as it is without David Bowie. Oh, um, no. You know, they gave him, they gave him a script. It did not have any music in it. It did not have any songs in it. Um, and there's a lot that's in this movie that is built around his music. So had they I mean, planned on the songs and the music, or they just didn't no. have them before? He added. He did all of that. He did all of that. He did. He well, wrote that's five, damn. five songs for the. Yep. And, did uh, he just get thinking... the script and he was like, "No, y'all, <laughs> this is too fucked. You need music." Was, yeah, he thought it was. He thought it was humorous, and he wanted. He wanted to to lean into it, right? Huh. Yeah. Did he want more. Yep. He he's like, this is good, but let's get some more jokes in here and let's. Uh, you know, but I'll I'll write all of the all of the music, and they went back through and uh, you know and did did more and did you know put more jokes in and um, you know but and put all of his songs in there. Um, th- this could this movie could have gone another way completely. Um, there, there were several people who they, who they wanted. They really wanted Bowie, and it's not like, oh, these other people turned it down. But they, um, they had talked about Mick Jagger, yeah, Prince, okay, uh, Sting. Sting, I remember Sting, and I can uh-huh. see that because it was and, both Dune, right? Yes, and right. and perhaps most importantly, uh, good thing this did not happen. Michael Jackson. Oh wow! Oh no! Wow, <laughs> that would not have panned out well. <laughs> yeah, wouldn't, yeah, it wouldn't have aged well. Come to my castle. Would not. I didn't want to say age. I was trying to figure out how else to say that. <laughs> you didn't want, want me I to just, take the baby. Why did you wanted, say you want me to take the baby? I just wanted to steal some children. It's 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 not what you think. It's it's really nice. You're, you're ignorant. Where's the, where's the Andy line? Touch it. Touch it, I say. Touch it, I say. Get in the bathroom. Get in the basement. No. Ugh. So very, very good that this was never a Michael Jackson um, movie. Instead, uh, Michael Jackson went to go work with George Lucas on Captain EO, which is very entertaining. Better. Better. I mean, and, for several reasons, a good good that they didn't cast Michael Jackson. Yeah, yeah, and did not involve kidnapping children. So, yeah, yeah. So that that would have been bad. Uh, Bowie, Bowie can get away with it because, you know, I don't know. We we're, we're all like, oh, David Bowie, he's he's hot. Um, yeah, I can see why he'd want to steal a child and raise him as his Goblin King uh, protege. <laughs> You know, so that sounds like. Can you not like who read that in the on the office and was like, David Bowie steals a baby to turn into a goblin? I mean, does he sing? Yeah. Oh God, it could be Michael Jackson. Keep Bowie. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Now I will say I love I love Bowie, but I think Jagger would have killed this role too. Oh, could you imagine? Why don't you want your baby back? <laughs> <laughs> he struts around with the goblin. 
think that would have been pretty fun. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think I think you would have ended up with not as good music too, because I oh, mean, I'm sure. thinking about oh. like, I don't know. Mick Jagger at this time is putting out uh, what the the Ruthless People soundtrack. That I mean, was his. Uh, we all saw Free Jack, so let's not do that again. <coughs> well, not um, all of us. Oh, this, don't start now. This uh, this soundtrack though, like, there's some good songs in yeah. here. I mean, these aren't my favorite. Um, bowie songs but this is like kind of during uh bowie's um you know return to pop prominence um let's dance has just come out and is uh you know he's doing really well with that and uh so were they looking at music artists because they were like hey let's two for one this and get someone else to write out like were they were they just always planned on the the music artist coming in and making the music for it not always in in the original original script um the goblin king was actually first of all was a goblin um that makes sense yeah and was a big a big a big goblin puppet (coughs) um less creepy but yeah i don't know um but then they're like no what if you know what if like all great muppet movies we have (laughs) the main character is a human and is surrounded by by muppets and we just never address it and that's you know of course that's how the world works like winner you know there was a lot of cocaine in the industry back then i actually (laughs) think that makes a lot of sense no, but but think about it. You, you yeah. know, you've got you've got Muppet Treasure Island. You've got Muppet Christmas Carol. You've got, you know, you that's that's kind of the mold. Is like, oh well, let's just let's just put one normal human in the middle of yeah. all of these Muppets and and Fragile just rock. pretend like that's normal. I, I object rock. to the labeling of David Bowie as a normal human. Okay, he is well, popsicle. Okay, well, yeah. I mean, obviously. I mean, Muppet's Christmas Carol was a decade later, though. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 I mean, and and Muppet Treasure Island. Those are both like far, far off. But that's but it's still like the idea, like oh, you know, um, because then you have the the other Muppet movies, which are like, um, they're like oh well, they're Muppet centric, and then you have like cameos from famous actors um you know the the great muppet caper well i guess i guess muppet caper has like three or four different like human protagonists in it so um but yeah i don't know they're they're working on stuff but the the basic idea lots of muppets one human um which by the way this keeps getting circulated on social media and Disney, I don't know why you don't do this. Muppet, Pride and Prejudice, where everyone is a Muppet except for Adam Driver as Darcy. <laughs> that that movie would make a billion dollars in its first two weeks. Everyone would go see that and everyone would love it. It would be amazing. This that bomb is pretty tight right now. Yeah. No, I, I seriously, I don't know why they haven't done this. It's just like, 
this yeah. is, or it, 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 if not Pride and Prejudice, it, it pick pick something. Wuthering Heights, Jane Eyre. Um, Jane Eyre. Oh, please, can we do Jane Eyre? Oh my God. Just do I really, it. I really just want the Jason Siegel Vampire Musical, but well, if yeah. failing that, I guess yeah. I mean, we all want the Jason Siegel Vampire Musical. Mr. Darcy. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, we'll we'll just have to deal with the only the like two minute version from the end of forgetting Sarah Muffet, Sarah Marshall. And, Sarah uh, Muppet. I like that. <laughs> I... Yeah. Anyway, okay. Um, yeah. What what else do people like or have problems with with this movie? Um, I mean, I, I love the music. And so I agree, like, it's probably not everybody's favorite Bowie album, but it's one of those albums I can put on while I'm cleaning or doing stuff and like, enjoy all the songs on it. Mm. Because um, I, I can sing all of them except for the Chili Down song, which is almost unintelligible. Yeah. So I would, I would have liked to... <laughs> get that uh in a in a way i could understand it um i also like i think i might not have had this thought if we hadn't been talking about tangled and all these other things but i feel like the whole like evil stepmother thing or just slightly annoying you know shrill stepmother thing was unnecessary like it could have been her own mom and she still would have been yeah. a combative defensive teenager who's immature yeah but i guess it gave it gave them a reason to infantilize her it's like oh well she lost her mom so she just stayed you know an an unsocially you know somebody with no friends and stuff i i, feel I like wish force was a big topic during that time though yeah. Like, even just, like, in the books, like, Babysitter's Club and the mm-hmm. Ramona series and different things. Like, I remember reading about it a lot, and maybe it was just on top of mind because that's when my parents were getting divorced. I don't know. But, um... Yeah. I feel like it was a... It was, like, kind of just, like, a, a hot issue for Hollywood to be like, and they're divorced. Great. Cool. Yeah. Let's, let's do that. Oh, I 80s. thought they bridged the mom. Or she, I don't know. She was just she, gone. Yeah. Oh. Well. Yeah. I don't know. I, I I actually wish that Sarah hadn't been such a brat at the beginning. Mm-hmm. I I feel like I understand like, oh, well, we want her to have an arc and show her like maturing and growing. But I, I don't know. I, I just... I don't like her in that that first um, that first scene when she's in her room and when she's um, and when she's with Toby. I'm just like, can a girl like just not you know just want to have like a fantasy life and like not be a brat about it? Like I don't know. Do you think that that's part of like the the subplot that you were talking about earlier though of like what she was experiencing and and having i mean there is that 
the female stereotype of the one who plays along and flirts back and accepts the harassment and goes along with everything and then there's the one that's a bitch just because she's and sure they over exaggerated Sarah's character at the beginning but um I wonder if that has more to do with the subplot of what you were speaking to more than the characters themselves yeah I don't know that's interesting maybe um I don't know whether that was like intentional or just like oh well let's let's have her be yeah just have her be uh you know oh well she's a she's a she's a bratty little girl so let's i don't know yeah i don't know i don't know but i it it does rub me the wrong way and i'm just like you know i i almost like i'm also like i don't want this framing device i don't I don't care about the movie until the goblins show up. So, um, all of this stuff, I'm like, can you just like fast forward past this? Like, please? Unnecessary. Yeah. I actually did fast forward past it. Because <laughs> <laughs> no, I remember Smart. it too. I was like, this whole intro is totally unnecessary. So, I'm just going to get right to where David Boy shows up in her window. Yeah. Although, although I do like the, the goblins, um, they're like, did she say it? Oh yeah. Shh. <laughs> like I'll, I, I, I like that. Like I, I really like the like. I wish the comments would come and take you away. That's not very hard to say, is it? <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Like all of the, all of that with the, the silliness with the, with the, um, with the goblins. Like that's that's good. And mm-hmm. I. Again, I didn't need her like sitting sitting there in her room like pretending Dancing. she's angry at her father cuz well, you practically broke down the door and just like oh shut up. Come on. Just I don't know. Let's get to David Bowie, please. Yeah. Well, and it's it's sad like I'm sitting there going, "Oh wow, they're just trying to show that she's really immature and bratty." Yeah. I'm and... like she doesn't need to be that immature and bratty. This is true. I mean, you have Jennifer Conley, you know, make her innocent, but not a brat. Gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Like Pick a lane. Yeah. <laughs> she's fine. So she's great. Um, what else? Other things people, people really liked, really hated. Nothing. Nothing, tra-la-la. I hate nothing, tra-la-la. <laughs> I don't know who wrote that line. If it was Elaine May, I'm sorry, Elaine. But that is a bad line. Oh, no, it's not. I love, I'm love. i trying to say there is nothing about this movie that I hate. Oh, really? Um, what do you love? Oh, I mean, other than the, you know, over-grossness. Um, it's like, I, I think I love the banter between the characters, like, it's very difficult to pick a favorite side character because they're all like so beautifully crafted and like voiced so well that it's just like wow like I'm watching the garbage lady who scared the bejesus out of me as a child and I'm thinking how am I going to build that costume yeah and <laughs> um and so it, I, I just, I do really love this movie, even though now I go back and watch it, I realize how problematic the things that I love are. 
you know, yeah. like so many things in life. <laughs> it's everything is that way. You go, you watch the West Wing, you watch Buffy the Vampire Slayer. It's all terrible. And it's, it's fine. We're, we're moving on. It's okay. Yeah. Okay. So basically Kit loves everything, but you guys don't have to. No, I think you're right on. I mean, the, the one thing I appreciated watching it, um, you know, like I said, I, I haven't seen it for a while, but all these characters are so deep for the, like, even like the door knockers. The, yep. They're there yep. for two minutes and you're like, these are the most well-written side characters uh, you could come up with, right? They, they all just get this tiny amount of screen time, but they're all really in depth and have have great personalities. Um, so even the goblins, I mean, some of their lines, like the, the friggin' aardvark or whatever, some of those lines are hilarious. Yeah. So I, I, the same thing. I mean, um, I was talking to Chelsea about it. She's like, I love the worm, and the worm's only in it for a minute and a half, but you know, yeah, great, great joints, great lines. Yeah. Yep. Every, so everything about this is really well crafted. Um, yeah. So, and the costumes are amazing. I mean, um, mm -hmm. they're really well done, but yeah, you can see why it costs 25 million because yeah. um, everything's really, it's, it's beautiful. The costumes are great. The, the Muppets are, are well done. Um, so yeah, it's hard to, it's hard to have studio notes or, or, or think of something that should have been different because they, they really did a lot with a fairly minimal plot. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's, I mean, I think that's kind of the magic of, of Jim Henson and, and the Muppets um, in creating these things and the, the magic of, oh, well, yes, this is a magical land and, you know, and so I think if these were humans, it might be easier to like, you know, uh, or it might be harder to suspend our disbelief, but because it's like, oh yeah, okay, this is a, this is like a weird, a weird sleeping guy with a talking bird hat. And he's obviously been sitting here in the labyrinth for forever. And, uh, you know, and they're there to talk to us or whatever. And it's just like, oh, okay, we accept that because the, you know, the weirdness of the of the premise, and um, and we enjoy it, and so we just get all of these fun little vignettes. It's you know, it's it is very much like a fairy tale. It's very much like Alice in Wonderland or um, a Wizard of Oz or you know something like that where. You know, we're just we're just moving along, and we're meeting new and interesting people. And every every two minutes, we get another another gag, another something fun. Uh, and sometimes it's creepy, and sometimes it's funny. Um, and sometimes we have farting rocks. <laughs> so I don't know. You have some homages to Monty Python stuff, <laughs> like the. Didymus, aka the Black Knight, right? I mean, yep. there's just uh -huh. all kinds of fun stuff that goes on in this, other than, as we always said, the, the creepy stuff. But yeah, I, I, I was thinking to that, like, as I was watching it, I'm like, I realized like Cinderella was my gateway drug to Labyrinth. Labyrinth was my gateway drug to Monty Python and the Holy Grail, 
which opened uh-huh. up a whole bunch of doors to things I probably should not have been watching, according to our parents. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I'm so glad I did. <coughs> yeah. Yeah. No. Well, it couldn't have hurt you that much. So. It may be weird to say, but I think I saw Silence of the Lambs before I saw Labyrinth. So maybe Silence of the Lambs was my gateway drug to Labyrinth. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think there was some sort of like quid pro quo Clarice where like <laughs> you got to pick a movie and I got to pick a movie. Maybe. Because <laughs> I believe I saw that Silence of the Lambs in that situation. I was like, well, that was terrifying. Yeah, I feel like I might have chosen the fifth element. <laughs> Or something so maybe someone else chose the other one. <laughs> jb chose demolition man yeah, yeah, that yeah. block that one out some of my terrible choices in life usually involve that movie um, <laughs> at least your choices are around movies <laughs> not, not, a, not a demolition Sorry. man in real life right <laughs> <clears throat> but yeah andy i mean I, just thinking back to it i i can't Again, I, I didn't watch the movie to pick for pick out flaws per se, uh-huh. um, but I didn't really like there was there was nothing that I would have said that you know this character needs to be more this or this needs to be more that. It was just I would say I don't know, Kit. It's a, it's a pleasant movie other than the, the gaslighting. It's just really pleasant to watch. <laughs> yeah. We always have to preface that, right? Other than the horrible part, yeah. Other than the horrible gaslighting. It's a great movie. Well, and it's it's so hard to say because is it is it that the gaslighting and that evil is actually a necessary part of what makes this so effective? Yeah. Because I I think again if if this is Elaine May sticking her finger at the patriarchy and telling a generation of young girls exactly how the system is going to try to treat you and why you should kick it in the balls and say you have no power over me then good then then all of it is kind of necessary because we have to deal with the creepiness and the gaslighting and it has to be there um or something for the bad guy to do that shows he's bad yeah yeah i mean i don't i don't normally subscribe to the like oh well he should you know murder a bunch of people because then that shows that he's evil or something but but i do i but yeah i mean is is jareth a bad person it's like well i mean the fact that he is like you know constantly manipulating Sarah then yes absolutely then that that is what makes him bad um because otherwise he's kind of like charming he like kind of want to get with the goblin king he's cool mm-hmm. that's that's the that's the whole thing right um I mean I mean it could be a it could be a really fun summer fling it just yeah. you don't want to you don't want to live there I'll let you do that. Uh, there you go. Shout out. Uh, You're welcome. I was I'll give you your dreams. <laughs> I'll yeah. be there. Yeah. I mean, if we look at creepy white men controlling what women are allowed to do with their babies, I mean, yeah. <sighs> yeah, that's Fuck not at all it. germane to the situation we find ourselves in right now. Not at all. So, ugh. 
We did yeah. we did also get shout out to Adidimus. So we get some anatomy in there too. So kudos. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I again I don't think that's that's what they were going for. I yes. I mean just what a lovely random of all the names you could pick out, right? Like Didymus seems like a great name. Yeah. Again, um you know, was was that a, a saucy little joke? I don't know. Could be. Could be. I, I mean, mean my kid be. liked the movie and her, and her brother. Yeah. And they yeah. were much I mean, they enjoyed it and This is one of those movies that you know, we talk about some of them where some of the Disney films, for instance, like the kids here, take it or leave it, right? Right. This is one of those where I think even kids today get a kick out of this movie. There's um, something about feeling like you're on drugs while you're watching maybe. a movie. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe yeah. we just all love Bowie so much that they have to like it. We won't take no for an answer. That is also true. You will like this movie. Could be. Uh, yeah, the... it was a great birthday choice. I, I wholeheartedly enjoyed watching this again. Uh, gaslighting aside, yeah, gaslighting. Yeah. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Gaslighting aside. Okay, any anything else, or are we ready to talk about stuff? Can I can I ask two headcanon questions? Of course. Yeah. Okay, so when I was younger. We, we know the worm, right? We're aware of the worm. No. And how he, he sends Sarah down the other way, because if she'd have kept on going down that way, she would have gone straight to that castle. Uh-huh. Originally, I thought he was trying to keep her safe and protect her by, like, sending her a safer way. But watching her, I'm like, you know, is there, like, an inner office memo that goes out to everyone living in the labyrinth where it's just like, fuck with this girl? And don't, you know, keep her away from the castle. <laughs> I don't, I can't, I can't figure out what his motives are. I, I think in this case, the worm is, is probably, I didn't get a sense that the worm was malicious. Um, I kind of thought the other way, but, but that could just be me. Some of the characters didn't seem to have a lot of interaction with Jareth. So I wasn't, I wasn't sure if the worm was malicious. But I can totally see where you're coming from. I felt as though it was a sort of misery loves company sort of thing. Like, mm. not necessarily, like, malicious, but just, like, everyone is so used to being fucked with in this land that they're just, like, this is just pro protocol. Like, it's just how we live. We all kind of fuck with each other. We don't necessarily have a real motive behind it, but I'm going to send her the other way, because why not? You don't want to come in and drink tea? Fine. You'll have to take a long walk. <laughs> <laughs> but thinking on the way home is like you know what Sarah would just be so much better adjusted if she played D&D because then she would have people to share her rich fantasy life with as opposed <laughs> to like hanging out in parks and by herself in her room you know and I'm like I will I worry about that girl. Like I, w I was that girl and I had no social skills until I was in my twenties. So it's like, yeah, I can see why you got into trouble and believed something you read in a book about fairies. Books. <laughs> what are those? What are those going to get What's you up with biting fairies too? Ouch. Rude. I mean, they're, they're assholes. 
If she had played D&D, would we have just gotten Stranger Things sooner? <laughs> sort of. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, it, well, I think the, the whole point with the biting fairies is that from the very beginning, like, okay, we're, we're first introduced to the labyrinth. What do we see? We see a peeing Muppet, which, okay, wow, PG movie, and he's peeing. So that's interesting he's that, using his didymus it's a, yeah one. um and then and then he's Sorry. and then he's spraying fairies and we have the same uh you know reaction that sarah does like how terrible and then they bite her and it's like oh wait no fairies are assholes they are pests they actually should be eliminated maybe in this place um Things that look nice are bad, and things that look scary and creepy can be good and can be nice. So I, I thought that was like the that was the whole purpose of having the fairies in that scene is telling us things are upside down here and we have to we need to understand that. So Well and the writer does I mean if if you start with Terry Jones, you're you're thinking Alice in Wonderland type topsy-turvy everything. So that does make sense. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Box office? Yes. Okay. This movie is a huge box office disappointment. Uh, it only made $12.7 million. 12.7 uh, even adjusted for inflation that's only 31 million dollars um, can you imagine a movie like this coming out and only making 30 million dollars uh, like Lightyear no th Lightyear's doing fine I know I'm just teasing but yes. everybody likes to make big stink like oh what a flop it's still doing fine it's doing fine Lightyear's I was doing all right. It's, it's like, doing light years better than people are saying. Ha 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 I'm trying to think what movie coming out right now would would be like the equivalent of it only making thirty million. What's a? I'm trying to think of like a recent flop. I well, I mean, you're talking like a, a huge budget. Pixels. Oh, uh, <laughs> I think Pixels actually, unfortunately, made a lot of money. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, I know, right? Like a Transformers kind of movie, or no? Because I mean, even then, like cats, <laughs> cats maybe. <laughs> Sorry. I, yeah, I, I don't know. Ricky Gervais thing where he talks about Judy Dench and the hairball. <laughs> it's <Did>, terrible. <laughs> I'm trying to think if Cats made more than thirty million. I'm sure it made more than thirty million. Cats made. Uh, 73 worldwide. Yeah, see, everybody went to go see Cats because they were so they were so intrigued by it. Um, well, that's worldwide though. You gotta remember, like, they could have only made... Oh, you know what I'm thinking, Andy? Pluto Nash. Um, yeah, maybe Pluto Nash. I think, I think, uh, Kit, I think Davey and I are the only ones who saw Pluto Nash in the theater. <laughs> I think it legit made, like, seven million dollars in the theater. Yeah. How's, uh... You didn't go with us to that, did you? I, I did not. You didn't, Andy. Kit, did you go with us? 
we saw it in Mission Valley. We sat in the front row. I think we were the only ones there. And I believe Davey was... He wasn't duets mad, but he was so bored that... Um, I can't remember what he started doing, like math problems out loud or something. I, yeah. I, I must have blocked that one out. I remember <laughs> the Osmosis Jones. But I don't okay. remember. The, here here you go. Here you go, Andy. Okay, here's movies that um, had a lot. That's okay. So Pluto Nash, 100 million budget, 7 million gross. Uh, the mm-hmm. Alamo, the Ron Howard one, 107 uh, to 25 um ballistic x versus sever oh yeah oh my gosh that was a big yeah yeah 70 million made 19 battlefield earth Mm -hmm. 100 million made 29 let's see if there's a real turkey in here chill factor with uh skeet ulrich (laughs) wow dudley do right with brendan fraser um let's see where's the turkey oh jiggly Gili, yeah. 75 million made seven. Yeah. Um, wow, there's a bunch of turkeys. Heaven's Gate in 1980. 44 made three. Inchon, 46 made five. Lolita, 62 million made one million. Mm-hmm. Take that. Yeah. Jeremy Ouch. I'm thinking. I, I'm thinking maybe the analog for this year would be Moonfall, the like. Oh uh, yeah. Although everybody knows that those movies yeah, are terrible, I... so. Yeah, that's not even on here, so it must have made enough. Yeah. Well, I'm. I'm just looking at uh, 2022's box office, and I'm. I'm like, what? What? What did not make money? Yeah. Um, so, anyway. Uh, but yeah, it was a big disappointment, but yeah. has become a major cult classic since then. And uh, people remember this very fondly, but did not go see it. Andy, did it tell you how much it made? I mean, this they're on what? The 35th anniversary. So the fifth re-release <laughs> on Blu-ray, 4K, UHD, you know, have they, um, did, did they count up how much they made in... Um, I'm... I'm not seeing any any home media. This is okay. only box. I'm my guess is that I mean, it, everybody I know buys an anniversary edition. So I'm just I'm I guarantee it. this movie has has made back plenty in in its in its time through home media releases. Um, although interestingly, um, not streaming anywhere right now. So the Showtime. Um, yeah, well, not on any of the major services. So, yeah, I guess it's on Showtime, but that's what you get. <coughs> so, dear um, Disney Plus, yeah, we have lots of other Henson properties. Okay, here, here you go, Andy, on the numbers.com US DVD sales between in 2016, another seven and a half million. Yeah. The go. Blu-ray sales in 2016 and 2021 looks like another 11 million. Yeah. So yeah, that's not bad. Yeah. Tack on your price there. Yeah. Uh, and hey, Brooke. Well, since we're looking up stuff, um, I do want to confirm for you that the reason that you watched this a year ago um, was 
from your time on yours, mine, and theirs, where you watched Labyrinth, Big Trouble in Little China, and Idiocracy. Oh, right. Oh, what a three-pack. Right. Yeah. They, I wow. knew it was for theirs, but then I looked up my name on theirs, and the only one that came up was um, uh, when I did uh, The Duke of Burgundy. Oh. No, I I went back and I looked. I looked Thank specifically you. for Labyrinth because I because rem I remembered and I remembered Roy like talking about how much he loves um until the world falls down and that's how that's true. like his that's favorite true. Bowie song. Thank you. Um, not wrong, but yeah. I will link that in the show notes because everyone should go uh <coughs> Listen to Brooke and them talk about this uh, even more. So, here we go. Um, studio notes. What would you Before we go into it? studio notes, sure. um, I just didn't know, because we started talking about a lot of other feelings that we had about this movie before we started recording, and didn't actually hit on any of that in the recording. Well, then talk about it. Yeah. Well, I don't remember how we got into it, except that I was frustrated. <laughs> about my child being harassed by a creepy footman in a gas station in Oregon. I well, think that's actually how we started talking about it, that and organized religion in some form. So that yeah, I think we got into that. Yeah, but just general like patriarchy and men not respecting, you know, bodily autonomy and personal space of people, um, especially of children. Children, children, my child got like cornered by this creepy ass dude in a gas station in in Oregon and like wouldn't leave her alone and made her tap her foot for him and then got down on the ground and started tapping her foot for her for him. It was weird. Um, I wasn't there. I was frustrated that I wasn't there. But we started talking about like there's just so much weirdness out there that makes these things seem okay and not that this movie is the the root of that by any means but there's this this interesting like subtext of what do we accept and what don't we and i just messaged her and was like hey did you guys like labyrinth when we watched it she's like yeah why it was fine it was cool and and i wonder if like if the point of this movie was to get all of us to push back against patriarchy did it do that or are we just suddenly not suddenly um subtly being conditioned to think that weird ass fucking shit is okay i don't know i mean well, I, no yeah. but i think the hard thing is i mean we come from a similar place of having young girls around you know in our in our space right that we have to take care of and and raise and make sure they're okay and i i do brooke i get the sense that they're already used to the uncomfort like society has just already put them in that place from a young age right and and i don't know why and i don't know how to deal with it other than to teach them self-defense right <laughs> i mean like literally if someone gets in your space just do these three things um right and, and then um 
keep doing it until someone pulls you off them or whatever, right? But that's my worry is that some of that conditioning is just already there, and I don't know how it gets there. Um, well, like, like, just like these. Yeah, it's just like like they go, oh yeah, this happened, and you know it'll happen again another time. And you're like, no, that's not, but it does. And it's, yeah, it does happen. I'm with you. It's equally frustrating and disgusting, and um, not something that people should be used to. Yeah. So I used to teach social skills because those who can't do teach um, social skills and sex ed. And one of the main things we did for our clients with developmental disabilities was teaching them assertiveness and the difference between assertiveness and aggressiveness. And I feel like there's a lot of like subtle and not so subtle programming for like well if you disagree with your parents you're a brat and you're difficult like we were just talking crap about sarah being a brat but it's like if sarah had come at it and been like i'm really frustrated that i don't get any time to myself on the weekends because you guys are going out and you don't even ask me right. like if she'd asked in a less like <laughs> void like i don't know bratty voice i feel like that is a completely valid concern but yeah. like when it comes to things where it's like we have to with with clients with DD, we really had to like cut deep into the hidden curriculum of social skills. Interesting. And and be like, strangers should not touch you yeah. ever. You can talk to strangers about public things. You do not talk to strangers about private things. If a stranger touches you, you tell them back off. Right. And then we had them practice like saying things not yelling, but like in an assertive voice so that people would actually listen to them. And I, I feel don't like- I know you, give me back my purse. Yeah, and it's like, you know, people joke about this, but I'm like, you know what I would love them to teach in social studies? I would love them to teach assertiveness. Yeah. And right. boundaries. Well, well I think it's part of why we go back and look at these movies, right? Like, especially in the context of this podcast specifically, but mm -hmm. You know, I was talking to my kid. She's telling me this story. And I said, babe, your brother walks away and you're in a room with a creepy ass dude by yourself. It doesn't matter if you make that man uncomfortable by telling him to leave you alone or walking away. Because yeah. she was like, well, I sat there for a minute. And then I finally was like, okay, well, I'm going to go. And I was like, you have no responsibility to how he feels about you walking away from this or yep. you telling mm -hmm. him no. But at 10 years old, she already thinks that she has a responsibility to other people's feelings. And, and like having those, which is, is really interesting because this is the same kid that when she was in kindergarten and she was frustrated at her mom, she was sitting on the couch, throwing a tantrum, screaming, kicking, like crying. And I looked at her and I said, Prudence, what? what is going on? What is it that you need right now? And she looked at me and she goes, I just need some of your attention. I don't feel valued. And I'm like, okay, this is coming out of a five-year-old's mouth who knows how to communicate. Skip to five years later of being in school and around friends and social pressure and feeling rejection and watching these movies is suddenly putting up with some dude grabbing her foot and caring more about his feelings and her weirdness. God, it just feels like such an impossible fucking battle. 
Well, and I, I mean, I, I hate to be so reductive, but like, what, what the fuck is going on in our society right now where you, the Supreme Court is literally saying women do not possess bodily autonomy, that the law, the state, men can decide what you can do with your body and your reproductive choices oh well it's like we're asking well where does this come from and i'm like right. what are you talking about it from is the... everywhere everywhere it is everywhere and this is like the um this is like the number one uh sign of that showing up and you know if if we're telling if we're telling people if we're telling people who have uteruses that you do not have bodily autonomy well then how the how the fuck else are we supposed to have anything how how can a 10-year-old tell a creepy guy like don't fucking touch my feet you creepy creepster you know um, and it's not like she, I mean, cause she's tall and she looks yeah. older, but he started the conversation by asking her her birth date. And when she only gave him the month and day, he then asked her the year and knew that she was fucking 10 years old. Yeah. Now this is going into a, a deeper conversation with her, obviously of don't give out your personal information, which she's like, these are, she's had the FBI come to her Girl Scouts troop and teach her this stuff and tell her why it's so important and still feels pressured in to the situation. Like, it's... It's... Beyond just giving kids information, it's, it's... It is. It's in our society. It's built into everything, everywhere. And it's... It feels impossible. That's why we have to write new things and make... Yes new media to you know careful the things you show on tv children will listen yeah so so can we just get pride and prejudice as a fucking muppet movie please <laughs> come on mr darcy let's let's make it happen i would Studio. i wouldn't have to say yes but it's also fun to watch fire island which is out right now yeah. Will too. Alright. Um Studio Notes. That basically covers my studio notes, so you guys go ahead. No, I mean we kinda talked about it. I'm I'm, mm -hmm. I'm with Brooke. I think we covered a lot of it, but I mean yeah. it, it does that whole part just lends itself to I mean, even even if the movie has good intentions it, that conversation still, I mean, has to happen multiple times a day. Um, and, and Andy, you raised a really good point about why. So, um, you know, it's it's a never-ending battle to, to keep kids safe these days. Um, frustrating. Anybody. Yeah. Anybody safe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my studio note on a much much less uh important topic it has always 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 bothered me the compositing 
in the fiery dance scene. Oh yeah. Sucks. Yeah. It's terrible. <laughs> I I wish someone would go in and remaster that scene and make it not look terrible. I wonder um, if they did because they've done a bunch of remastering in like the 30th and 35th anniversaries. Yeah. Uh, it, be but yeah, it, it is still different. doesn't look good, at least not on the version that I watched. Um, mm -hmm. It it doesn't. It still doesn't look great. Um, I think you know. Um, by the way, like super super cool how they were able to do all of that. Like, um, if you go back and and look at it, it's like it's all on green screen, and all of the performers are like in like the green. Uh, lycra bodysuits and like they're performing behind these these puppets to to move them uh, so that they can then take them out and uh, you know put them in that in that forest thing it just I I don't know what was wrong with it um, but it it just it looks terrible and for some reason it it always made me like cringe at that scene um some and like otherwise i think i would i would like it a little more but i'm always just like like this the aesthetically like really really bothers me i just can't it's just visually can't. distracting yeah so i have i have one more i would like a family guy it's not a Family Guy remake, but it's like, I, it really disappoints me to have to sit there and think about what the bog of stench smells like, because then I get a Family Guy reel in my head or robot check. Like one of those reels where they're like, it smells like this. No, it smells like this. And I'm like, it smells like the room you go into at church on a hot day after all the old men left elders quorum. And it... Wow. It's just baked old fraggledy ball sack. <laughs> baked old Didymus. Yeah. Fraggledy ball sack. I have never imagined the ball sacks of fraggles before, and now I don't think I can stop. I was just going to say it smelled like a subway, but dang. <laughs> Whatever, I guess. A subway like <laughs> the restaurant or a subway like in, in New York? Maybe a subway inside of a subway. So then it's like <laughs> JLP and bread, like old bread. <laughs> so, yeah, because like yeah. the problem is like the more I think about it, the worse the smell gets. Yeah, it's. Do you remember <laughs> Andy and, and Kit? We would go to the Zen 5 on Garnet and have sushi there, the reggae sushi. Do you remember that? Um, yes. Do you remember, like, if you go a little further, like, to Moondoggies and stuff, do you remember what the bathrooms would smell like in the restrooms in on Garnet? Because it was just, like, homeless people and surfers and... And that, uh, like, nope. orange grate <laughs> cleaner that's, like, yeah. in a bad way. Yeah, like, they just throw it into the bathroom and just hope it would settle. That That's what that reminds me of, Kit, that you're talking about, like, just old sweat and balls and salt water and yeah andy you know but you blocked it out i 
I don't think I ever went to those bathrooms. I remember going for sushi there, but I don't think I ever uh, partook. Yeah, there was there was a McDonald's like down from the Trader Joe's on Garnett, and that bathroom smelled exactly like what Kit's talking about. Like, oh, this is all of the worst body parts. I just keep imagining stale bread soaking up ball sweat. Like, I think you have made it so that I cannot eat dinner tonight, JB. Like the sewer in front of a Costa Vida. That's what it smelled like. (laughs) (laughs) The opposite of a Kong Kong. That's what it smelled like, bro. Don't bring Kong Kongs into this. Stop defiling things. I know you're you're bringing just bad things into it. That's not it's not making the bad smell better. You're you're ruining good smells. Remember candy. Focus on candy. No. Okay. Kit, why did you have to take us into talking about gross? Smell. I'm sorry. I just like, like it really girl. bothered me. I, to, I keep forgetting that I can't ask questions around JB without mean, going terribly, fair. terribly wrong. <laughs> to be fair, I also wanted to know what this <laughs> was. There a R O U S in the B O G S? That's what I want to know. Okay. Uh, any other studio notes? Not now. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Favorite one-liners or quotes? (laughs) There's some fun stuff in here. There's so many. I think mine's probably um, the Scrabble line. Is anybody up for a game of Scrabble? Yeah. Hit him a says at the very end. That's very nice. That's nice. Or it's so stimulating being your hat. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Kit, what is your what is your birthday like? What's your favorite line? Like, oh. what line makes you watch this movie? And... Well, my problem is like I don't think there's a line that makes me like watch this movie, but I feel like it's it's like you know Napoleon Dynamite or one of those other formative movies where I just quote a lot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like looking at IMDb and I'm like, I remember yelling at a computer, your mother's a fragging argument! Um, I'm like, uh, I'm trying to remember like, uh, you know, the knockers just kill me. Nope. Can't hear you. Um, so. <laughs> Good stuff. Yeah. Again, it's like great character design, just like great yeah they just show up and they're just like yeah no these guys have always been here that's yeah. how they are awesome and they have a nothing tra-la-la i say that at least once a week definitely i say that way too often any other favorite one-liners uh, uh okay this is gonna be really tough side character how do you decide this um i'm gonna i'm just gonna put in a a plug for my my boy ludo okay who is how about this who is the side character you don't like hmm Hmm. because i didn't really like hoggle all that much 
Uh, the Hoggle is not meant to be likable. Exactly. So I think, yeah. like, of all of them, I think he is the one that would be... Uh, he would be the important side character, but not the favorite. Right? Not yeah. The yeah. One. Yep. Yeah. So. Because you have, like, Sir Didymus, who's delightful. Ambrosius, yeah. who's hilarious. Delightful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ludo, who's adorable. And, like, you know, the trash lady, who's horrifying, but still funny. The hat. The hat! Oh, my gosh! The, the, the shield guardian door guys, the yeah, knockers. The, the door knockers, yep. Um, the random goblins with the weird toothy babies on their staff. <laughs> Those guys were hilarious. Yeah. I don't know what that was, but whatever. <laughs> We're just here to like uh, torture Ludo. We've got little, these weird little aliens on staffs to like bite him. Okay, yeah. Um, Even the fireys are 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 hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. You can't throw anybody's head but your own. Or sorry, you can only throw your own head. You only throw your own. The worm. The worm is the worm. Yeah. Worm's great. The worm is great. I like the the goblin who is. Uh, piloting the really big mech oh, yeah. with the axe and then he, like after hoggle throws him out he's like he's like you can't do that or like what, what is he he he's like really perturbed that he, like, got, <laughs> got tossed out he doesn't he's like oh how dare you <laughs> he's very good i liked him take that hoggle <coughs> Um, is, is Jareth a side character? Um, I mean, I think he's the antagonist. Mm-hmm. Does that count as a side character? or I feel like he's a main character just from the yoga pants. <laughs> uh, little Jareth might be a, a <laughs> also the worm. side character. <laughs> Not so wee Jareth is, the, I think, the appropriate name. Does, they, <laughs> does, does his character combine all? Because he's got the worm, he's got the Didymus... <laughs> um, he's got some fiery like is he just all of these characters are they all just extensions of his personality that's yes he's the that, that's when you're the king that's uh, that's how it works yeah you are you're all of your minions too there you go so yeah yeah I just think the baby is the best side character <laughs> the baby little baby Toby little Toby he didn't want to go at all. He's like, oh, do I have to go back with her? David's singing the whole time. Yeah, I mean, maybe you he'll know. give me he'll give me pants down the road too. These are awesome. <laughs> he was doing okay. I mean, you know, he acclimated himself pretty well to like, you know, all of those sideways staircases, and there's no railings. He's, you know, yeah. he's not falling off. He's doing absolutely fine. So, you know. Maybe yeah, he should he was, stay with the goblins. He was good till the Escher painting. That's when it got weird. Bad yeah. Boring. Yeah. So, totally fair. Yeah. Speaking of best song. Oh, man. Uh, within You. <laughs> Which one is Within You? The one that he sings in the M.C. Escher painting. In the M.C. Escher. That is a cool I one. mean, it's. Like listening to the lyrics and thinking about it, it's like, oh, it's very Fifty Shades of Grey and Gaslighty, but it's so pretty. <laughs> that is Fifty Shades of Grey, right? Yeah. 
mean, they're it's... all really good. Um, yeah. Chili mm-hmm. Town think... is good. Magic yeah. Dance is good. Magic, Magic Dance is like obviously the like the the that's the radio hit. That's the one everybody remembers. Would it's... you say it's a, a breakaway pop hit or more of a book number? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just saying it's the one that every <laughs> everyone remembers afterwards. They're like, and it's it is it's the thing everyone remembers. The you remind me of the babe. What babe? Hmm. Um, I I think I gotta agree with with our pal Roy Fillmore though that um, until the world falls down is probably the best. It is. Absolutely it's the best song. But shout out to Dre- Trevor Jones who did the score, who has done scores for some of the best movies. <laughs> yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, great score. Phobia. He did do Free Jack. Uh, shout out. <laughs> Last of the Mohicans. Richard the Third. I mean, Arachnophobia, the best movie that no one remembers. Sorry, I haven't seen it. I was just, I'm making oh. that list of all the movies I haven't seen for yours, mine, and theirs, and that I'm movie, adding that, that on right movie now. Was so freaky oh, that wow. my dad no. put a four inch dent in the top of our van. So that is, yeah, that is probably the most entertaining. And I brought gummy spiders too, cause I'm an idiot. Um, but that is the most terrifyingly hilarious movie I've ever seen. Mm. Wow. That just like made the only movie that I actually did not want to sleep after seeing. Cause it's one of those that's just, I mean, it's an Amblin film, right? So it's, the characters are great. It moves really quick. It's hilarious, but there are some jump scares like, yeah. Spiders come out of places. You're like, oh, I didn't, I didn't see that coming. Yep. Um, but yeah, he did From Hell. He did Notting Hill, Dark City. Oh, Dark um, City. Yeah, I mean, tons. Yeah, yeah. Really, really good movies. He's done some. He's done some great scores. And and it, I think the thing that that works so well about it is it, it fits so well in with the Bowie songs and even though like none of those Bowie songs are really like it's not like they're really like each other yeah um but he's able to sort of craft an essence out of them that that works as a as a score and and weave them together and that's uh that's really masterful mm-hmm. so yeah is this a good movie other than gaslighting. Other than the gaslighting. Yeah. yeah. As a piece of art, yes. Yeah. It's yeah. better now than it was when I was a kid because I can appreciate the movie and still recognize it being problematic. I think I definitely missed that in my younger years. Yeah. Yep. It is the main character by which I will define Sarah a good person. Yes. Uh, after the first five minutes, right? When I, even then, she's just sick I mean, of her brother. She's just, she's just a kid. Get it? Yeah. She has her own growth and story, and she—I think she's young. I'm good sick person. of crying babies, and I'm 44. So yeah, I agree. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Sorry, what were you gonna say, Kit? Oh no, I was gonna say like I—I I feel like the point of the movie was that she starts off not being like being very fundamentally flawed hmm. like being um you know a little bit too naive a little bit too 
impulsive and like immature for lack of a better word and that she learns a lot in her time in the labyrinth that i think you know and i think that but i think that that doesn't make her a bad person so it's like i i struggle with this question week to week because it's like you know there's not a lot of movies where the protagonist is is a bad person you know, it's not Taxi Driver all the time. Right. Well, I don't know. We watched all of those James Bond movies, and it right. feels like there's a um, lot of morally gray areas. That's, that's that true. Through. That's so. true. I think that's why we love the question so much, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. is James Bond a bad person, or is he doing a job? Like, is she a fundamentally bad person? Is Sarah a bad person, or is she in a space of, like developmentally needing the world to revolve around her and figuring out how to not actually grow into being a narcissist at the same time. Yeah. 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 There, there is that difference in, in Brooke. That's a great point. There's the difference between a character who's able to make mistakes and one that's just fundamentally bad. Right. So yeah. that's a good point. All right. And should we show this to children? Please. Really? Don't show I them. I have shown it to children. children. Yeah. <laughs> I showed it to my kid, but she'd already seen it with her dad. Yeah. So. Yeah. But yes. Yeah, show it to the kids. Yeah. Show it to the kids. Don't let, let them watch it on their own. Sit and explain that even though David <laughs> Bowie's yoga pants and Minnie Bowie are amazing, it's not okay. <laughs> and then and then make them watch Mickey and Nikki and talk about how Elaine May had to like steal the negatives for her movie and uh, keep the studio from messing I mean, with it. Does his mini Bowie come with its own sheath of arrows? <laughs> I mean, it's it's nice to be able to go. Listen, there's nobody this hot that will come up to you, but don't let him do it anyway, right? Because <laughs> there is only one David Bowie. That is true. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> All right. Okay. <laughs> I was just thinking about David Bowie coming up to me. All all the dreams I had as a child where I got to meet and hang out with David Bowie and he thought I was cool. That was my favorite. Will you please edit every other sound out except her or them in that moment? I'm sorry, Kit. Sorry. Kit, it's me, David Bowie from the 1986 movie Labyrinth. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so good. What a perfect birthday movie ending. Mm. There we go. Well, happy birthday, Kit. Uh, yeah, we love this. Uh, hey, next week we're back to our normal old rigmarole. Um, we're back with Disney's Frozen, which. Um, Wow, that's a yeah, that's a that's a princess movie. Um, yeah, much to the chagrin of the marketing department, um, <laughs> who has to figure out how to make boys like this movie and not notice it's about princesses. So we're going to get sexual princesses. Yeah, we're getting into the movies that my kid watched as a child, like <laughs> like her princesses. Now this is exciting. Yep. So we're we're in it. We're in the. We're in the very modern Disney princess era, um, and now we get to have all sorts of fun with those. So, although it wasn't better than Smurfs too, <laughs> according to the child. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes. 
we'll we'll have to talk about that. Um, <laughs> and we're right. so much closer to Toy Story three when they send him to the incinerator. Still, my favorite. The real lots of hug and bear. <laughs> Are we watching all of those? Yes, uh, yeah. that was that was Melissa's uh, yep. nomination was uh, the Good. Toy Story movies. So we're we got. I haven't seen all of them. Yep. Well, we gotta we gotta do them, and the question is, do we watch them right after we're done with Disney princesses, or do we yes. throw something in before we do before we do that? But what like cannibal? No. Yeah, when, uh, when is your birthday movie, Andy? Uh, it'll be okay. in about a month. Oh, by the way, um, mm-hmm. so yeah, first first week of August, we'll do my birthday movie. Everyone, go to the Facebook group. And you vote. can vote in the poll for what what kind of movie it should be. Um, right now, uh, right now, the the things that are winning are musical and Channing Tatum. Um, so if if those remain the top two, then I guess we're watching the Channing Tatum musical. People. Um, you warned it's not Magic Mike or Magic Mike 2. Does he have a musical? It is not. Yes. He does. What? Yes. And it does not involve Ben Stiller. So How have I been on this podcast so long and I don't know this? Because the music I have failed you, Andy. What? <laughs> you take that you back. You didn't hear Andy go, mm, when you said Channing Tatum, did you? <laughs> I, I will thought. watch it again if if it gets if it wins the poll. There and is music in Twenty One Jump Street. Is all I'm saying. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. Yeah, but that's I think we we do have to say like Twenty One Jump Street and Magic Mike are both franchises that if if we were to do them, we would do we would just do the, those franchises. Um, this is a standalone movie that involves uh it, Channing it Tatum is. and a musical. Channing Tatum is not currently winning. It is a, it does involve him tap dancing and it is my least favorite salad. So <laughs> I I was just thinking how funny would it be between Disney princesses and Toy Story to do the Magic Mike <laughs> franchise? I really I actually I proposed this. I proposed this a while ago that actually what we do is I'm not opposed we, at all. We expand Magic Mike to also include Smallfoot. Uh, no, Flashdance and Showgirls. Oh. So that kind of the yes. the like larger like auteur take on on stripping and um, yeah. Um, yes. So you get you get Verhoeven. You get um, yeah. So. Yeah. Well, anyway, you just got my cat going with that Seriously. suggestion. So, yeah. <laughs> but wow. yeah, but it would, or we could just do Magic Mike and Magic Mike too. Because I no, feel I like if I'm a real, f- I feel yeah. like if I'm a real friend to you, I will vote for Channing Tatum. Channing Tatum. No, no not necessarily. Just, just, just to give you a good I, birthday, but I will tell you, he's not winning right now. It's time travel, interdimensional travel, and musicals that are. Oh, the good. Then, then uh, time travel and interdimensional travel will. Um, there, there are four different movies that involve time travel or interdimensional travel. Uh, one of them is I know what you are pulling for, Brooke, which is 
everything everywhere all at once. Yeah. Oh, yes. Okay. Can I can I add I love this stripper idea, but can I add the full Monty? Oh yeah, full Monty. That yeah, I that would that would make Moulin Rouge. Is that a stripper movie? No. That's yeah. not a stripper movie. Well Cabaret I mean, is the beginning of strippers. <laughs> you uh, strips? Ew. I uh, Moulin Rouge Obi-Wan. may or may not be in the mix of musicals. So if you want to, if you want Moulin Rouge, you might vote for musicals from the two thousands. I voted for Trains, assuming that it might be Train Spotting, but then I realized it's probably no. not. No, <laughs> every movie has a train in it, so that's a real loose definition. <laughs> it's uh, it, it's it's either uh, you know. Yeah, wait, no. was David Bowie's train. Oh wait, yeah. It's, Does it involve many planes and automobiles? I'm not really sure anymore. No, uh, that this one is not including planes, trains, and automobiles. Okay. So anyway, uh, I love the stripper idea. I think those are all very entertaining movies to watch. And if if Full Monty can be added, I a, just, yeah, yeah, no, that's the, feel good. Yeah. The whole idea just being like, oh, let's just let's watch movies about stripping because why not? Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, so yeah. Um, okay, cool. Uh, but yeah, go go vote in the poll. Tell me, <laughs> go vote in the poll. Nice transition. <laughs> yeah, <Okay. laughs> go vote in the poll and, and vote for vote yeah, for what you want to win, and we'll yeah. Uh, <gasps> but next week, Frozen, and so we'll. We'll see you then. Uh, bye, bye, everybody. <laughs> okay, see you. Yeah. Can't, you can't talk. You can't talk about a pole. Throw back your hair and kiss it all goodbye. Thank you. That will be all. God damn it! That's not all. Because if one of those things gets down here, then that will be all. And all this, this bullshit that you think is so important, you can just kiss all that goodbye. This show is part of the Geek Nerd Network. Geek Nerd Network. Find more shows like it at geeknerdnetwork.com. This is Jen.